<laughs> Praise God. Good morning, everyone. Please be seated. Welcome to Disciples House. All right. Where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Where we're not slothful in business, we're fervent in spirit, and we're serving the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 2.4 and Romans 12.11. All right. So our meditations for this week, uh, or our meditation for this week, is uh, 1 Corinthians 3, I mean, jeez, 1, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, out of the Amplified. And it says, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. All right. So our confession. I walk in God's love. Therefore... I refuse to be conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. God's love in me is not rude, unmannerly, and it does not act unbecomingly. I do not insist on my own rights or my own way. I'm not self-seeking as God's love is in me. His love keeps me from being touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Because God's love is shed abroad in my heart. Praise God. All right, so uh, upcoming events, uh, March 3rd is going to be Communion Sunday. We're going to do Communion that day. Uh, March 17th is, is uh, the remaining ARC trip money is due. Uh, March 19th through the 21st is Contending Faith Bible Conference in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee with Brother Randy Greer. And uh, March 29th is the Believer's Service. That's Good Friday. Um, March 31st is uh, Easter, Happy Resurrection Day, uh, and um, April 18th through the 20th is going to be the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum trip, and then uh, April 30th through May 2nd is the Authority Over Devils and Seducing Spirits Seminar in Dayton, Tennessee with Brother Randy Greer, and then of course uh, Generation Life Youth Camp is July 18th through the 12th. All right, so, all right, so, and then, uh, so in, on our, on Easter, we're going to have a, a dinner, it looks like here, is that right? Am I reading it right? Okay, anyways, the, the uh, instructions are in there. Yeah, you didn't make it very obvious. I, I, I did make it very <laughs> obvious, I did, yes, I did. So Easter, how much do you know Easter is the time that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ? Honestly, I think that Christians should make a bigger to-do about Easter than we do about Christmas. Because, it's, it, yeah, it's wonderful that Jesus came and was born 
uh, in the manger and all of that. And, and if he didn't come in the flesh, we wouldn't have salvation. But he's no longer a baby. He's now the risen king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So last year after we preached our Easter service, the Lord just really impressed upon me that uh, Easter is to be a big time of celebration. So we're going to take Easter weekend and we're going to make it a big to-do. So Friday night, uh, which is actually, um, you know, that's, that's actually that afternoon. It was a Friday afternoon um, that Christ actually, well, it was Thursday evening, uh, but Christ was in the grave. And we call that Good Friday because that's when he was obtaining victory over Satan. Um, but so we're going to have a believer's service. And well, what is a believer's service? That's where the believers come together. And that's where we come with an expectation that God's going to give each believer something to sow into the body of Christ. So come expecting to be used by God. You might have a song. You might have a word of prophecy. You might have a word of encouragement, maybe a simple testimony. But we're just going to come together as believers and let God have his way in that service. And then Sunday morning, um, we'll, do a, we'll, we'll have a sermon as normal and, and what have you. Uh, probably we'll have communion that Sunday morning. God hasn't really clarified that. Um, but um, it's going to be a big celebration. The Lord's already talked to me about it. And then we're going to follow that up with a fellowship dinner. Um, so the church is going to provide. We know we'll have ham, probably roast beef. Laura's talking to me. We might even have fish. I'm like, Lord, you know I don't cook fish, but okay. <laughs> um, uh, but um, we're going to just ask that every, that every family, or if you're a single, that means you, uh, bring a side dish, um, preferably, preferably side something spring-like, you know, sp you know, fresh and springy. I said fresh and springy, and Michael was like, you mean you want spring? I'm like, no, Michael, no. Uh, spring... <laughs> Uh, but the, the church will provide all the meat and all the dishes and all of that. If you guys can just provide side dishes, we'll have a really good time of fellowship and invite people to come. Uh, you know, we've seen people saved on Easter Sunday before. In fact, last year we preached the zombie apocalypse and the cure. And that sounds like a crazy, crazy Easter service. But we actually saw people saved from that service. Uh, so praise the Lord, Easter's, it's, Easter is a big deal, and, it, and so we're going to celebrate that together. So yes, it actually says right after, so, right after our Sunday celebration service, we'll enjoy a nice meal together, and we ask that you bring a, a spring-type side dish. It actually reads it, so please read your bulletin. <laughs> right, but not all of that was that you just said was in there. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. It's in there. So glory to God. Uh, I did. I read it word for word. But glory to God. So that's what we're going to do for Easter, and it's going to just be a really good time. And by all means, invite guests. Your guests do not need to bring a dish. Trust me. You know, we just had a fellowship, and everybody had a ton of food left over. I'm, I'm going to give you an idea. So look up for all of our for all of our Google people. This is what you Google. You Google. Easter meal ideas for 2024, and there's all kinds of links. I found one. That's what I meant, 2024. Well, in either, either case, in either case, just look up Easter meal ideas. I found one that had 80 easy-to-make recipes, and it was like 
I read like, what, 20 or 5 or so of them? And Derek and I were both drooling. We were like, man, and all of this is super easy. So there, there's some good ideas for you. Um, I think that's it. Would you like you your sure? bulletin back? Yeah. All that in one paragraph, that's amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, you need that. All right. Okay. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being here with us. Come and be with us and, and, and be in us and, and move through us. And, and Lord, give us the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right that for those that come seeking you eagerly. Lord, the words that will fall on good ground and that will, that will make an impact in their lives and, that, that is, and, and in the lives of those they come in contact with. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for being here with us. We, we are so grateful for your son who died for us. And we are so grateful that, that you would be here with us and, and, and as we worship you and as we glorify you and as we try to draw closer to you, Lord. Because we know that when we draw closer to you, you draw closer to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Help us to become the disciples that we seek to be. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for being here. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come. To, you cannot come. Just leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All right, Derek, our confession. Good morning, Disciples House. Let's do our confession together. We are a holy nation, a chosen generation, and a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, chosen by God himself for this day and this hour to bring in the latter rain and the calling away of the church. We are not a Laodicean church. Our mouths and hearts are one in our love and zeal for God. We speak the truth and protect the truth. We walk in God's steady stream of power and provision in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, 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 amen.
shout it from the mountaintop, Lord Jesus. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you. Praise you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory. To you be all the honor, all the glory, for you are holy, holy, holy. Where you 
our hearts, Lord, as we cry out to you. We sing, holy, 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 holy. Father, I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke. Father, I thank you for Jesus, the life giver. Father, I thank you that the lies and the deceit of Satan are broken this morning. Father, I thank you that truth is revealed in Christ's name. Amen and amen. And you can be seated. Hold on to the reverence. The angels of God are here. Well, pastor, praise and worship wasn't very long. It doesn't always have to be. We're thankful for the faithfulness of our praise team. I want you to turn to John chapter 4, John 4 chapter 10, John 4 chapter 10, John, John chapter 4 verse 10, uh, when you get there just hold on and listen, don't read, just listen, 
I want to talk to you while you turn to John. I want to talk to you about Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. Those are both very long chapters. I'm not going to read them. Deuteronomy 28, if you've been around the word for any amount of time, you know what is in Deuteronomy 28. Verses 1 through 15 are all about the blessing. God only uses 14 verses to talk to us about the blessing. And the reason he does that is because it's not hard to understand blessed is. Blessed means happy. Blessed means fortunate. Blessed means enabled with power to gain. Blessed is good. You hear blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the fruit of the body, blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the city, blessed, I mean, blessed, blessed, blessed. You understand these are good things. Yes. But then you get to verse 15 to verse 68. That's 53 verses, 53 verses about the curse. Now, I'm not going to read them. Your homework assignment is to go read it for those in-house and online. Go read Deuteronomy 28 and see if your life resembles the curse. Is there sickness abounding in your life? Sickness abounding. Do you have inflammation? Do you have burning in your body? Do you have aches and pains and incurable diseases? Those are all listed in Deuteronomy 28. Do you have poverty? Are you running out of money? Are you running out of resources? Is your house broken? Is there mildew in the house? Is, there, is, is, is your family in disarray and distraught? Maybe perhaps... Maybe perhaps there's infidelity in the, in the household. Maybe perhaps your children have gone astray. Perhaps there's foreclosures happening. Mortgages coming to an end, you know, are, are being called in. Maybe, just maybe, uh, you're, you've been rejected from, by your family. Maybe you've been rejected by your friends. That's all part of the curse. That's all in the curse. Go read Deuteronomy 28 and its sister chapter, Leviticus chapter 26. And you'll see it gets so bad in Deuteronomy 28 that the curse gets so thick that they even begin to eat their children. Now, it's talking physically eating the children, but it's also talking about mental and emotional damage being done to the children. Or is there abuse in the home? Abuse. This is all part of the curse. None of this is from God. None of this is from God. This, all of this comes from one place, comes from our enemy, which we see clearly in John 10, 10, says that Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. If there's any part of your life that's being stolen, if there's any part of your life that, that, that is being thieved, if there's any part of your life, if you're emotionally bankrupt, that's the curse. If your life is being destroyed, it's because Satan and his cohorts, his demons, are actively attacking your life. And they're doing it so that, they can, so that you will give in and you will allow them to kill you and take you out prematurely. And they're doing it with the purpose that not only will you allow them to take you out prematurely, but you'll curse God in the process and then they'll take you to hell. And hell is not something that you want. 
Let's be very clear. Jesus said that there would be wailing. Do you know what wailing is? That's crying with such severity that you can't catch your breath. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's wailing. You can't even imitate wailing. But Jesus said there'd be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Do you know what gnashing of teeth is? That's when you're biting and you're grinding your teeth in such with such force that your teeth are breaking under the pressure. And the reason that you're gnashing your teeth is because of the degree of torment. The degree of torment is so thick. I've heard testimonies of people. God has pulled back the veil. The, the, the gift of discerning of spirits has gone into operation. And God has pulled back the veil for some people and allowed them to experience hell and come back. And they've described it. The, the, the Bible tells us that it's a lake of fire for all of eternity. And, and people come back and they t- and people that have gone to hell, that they've experienced and God allowed them to come back, they said that you could literally smell the rotting flesh. The stench was so overwhelming, it was nauseating. And no matter what you did, you could not escape the stench. People have said that, there's, that, that, that the people in hell, they have a physical body. And that not only do they have a physical body, but their, their bodies have been beaten and bruised and, and, and open sores and that, it, that there were bugs. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. They talk about how the bugs are on their physical flesh gnawing their burnt flesh. And this is for all of eternity, for all of eternity. They talk about Dad Hagen. There's a mini book out here. It's called I Went to Hell. On his deathbed at the age of, catch this, at the age of 15, at the age of 15 or 16, he was right there at the cusp. He went, he, 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 remember he had um, seven different heart defects and blood diseases that were terminal, and, and, and everybody was writing them off. He was going to die, and, and he literally died. And, and he, his, he said, according to his own testimony, he said he, his spirit, the eternal part of him, leapt out of his physical body. He, he went out of his physical body. He looked down. He saw his physical body laying in the bed, dead, and he began, he said there was a pull there was a pull on his, on his spirit, on, on, and all of a sudden, he went from floating above the bed to going down, 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 down. And he said the farther down he got, the darker it got. And he said that, that as he went down, it was so dark he could not even see his hand in front of his face. And, and as he approached he, what he presumed to be the bottom, he said that he started to see flickers of light along the walls in this darkness. And, and, and because of the flickering, he caught, the, he, he caught what looked like to be a gate. And he knew within his own human spirit that was going down, 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 that if he entered into that gate, he would never come out. And so as he was going down, 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 he, he started yelling, God, I'm going the wrong way. God, I'm going the wrong way. God, I'm going the wrong way. He said, I'm a Baptist, because that's what he was raised. 
Now, I'm not belittling anything on the Baptist. This is what Dad Hagen said. He said, I'm going the wrong way. My parents are Baptist. My grannies are Baptist. I mean, he's declaring, he's pleading, I'm going the wrong way. And, and right before, he said, he, in this testimony, he talks about how there were these creatures that were trying to grab a hold of him and pull him down and pull him in. And about the time one autumn started to grab him, there was a voice from heaven and things shook. And all of a sudden, he went, whoosh, up. And he entered back into his bedroom. And then his spirit leaped back into his body. I believe through his, through his feet the first time, I think. Or he, no, he arrived at the end of the bed, and then his body leaped into his mouth. That's what it was. And then he was back to life. Well, just moments later, he died again. And again, he went down and down and down and down. And he started pleading the case again. God, I've been water baptized. I'm going the wrong way. But yet down, down, down. You'll have to get the book. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Moral of the story is three times he went down, he went down, he went down. The third time he was coming up. He was coming up. And then coming up, he said, he just called on Jesus. He said, Jesus! He and his mother were praying so loudly because he was in middle screen. He was middle yelling in his spirit. And when his spirit re-entered his body, his, his vocal cords picked it up. And he was, he was yelling out to God so loudly, and his mama was yelling so loudly in prayer that they stopped traffic for two blocks around their house. Now, this was back in 1903 or somewhere around in there, uh, the early 1900s. And so, you know, they didn't have all the noise that we had, but still, that had to be loud to stop traffic for two blocks around. And, uh, he, and, and in that moment, he received the Lord Jesus Christ. See, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ is not something you do with your head. It's not something you do simply because you go to church. It's not, you, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you're water baptized doesn't mean you're saved. Just because your mama, your daddy, your grandparents are saved doesn't mean you are saved. How do you get saved? Romans chapter 10. Well, hold on. Well, I told you all to turn to John 4. <laughs> Let me show you this. Notice he said, notice Dad Hagen said it was hot. It was hot. It was hot. It was hot. People that have been to hell have said, there's absolute, he said, he said you burn with utter hotness and thirst, and yet there's nothing to quench it. Nothing. In fact, the Bible talks about the young rich ruler and Lazarus. And remember the young ruler went down into hell? Remember that? He went into hell? And he called up from the pits of hell? And he, and he asked the Lord to, 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 to go to his family? Remember he asked the Lord? Remember the, 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 the poor man at the gate, Lazarus? Remember he went to Abraham's bosom? Remember the, the ruler asked? He said, he said, uh, have Lazarus dip his finger in the water that, and, and, and place it on my tongue that I might get a little relief. I'm just summarizing how it goes. And the Lord said, no, there's no relief there. He said, there's no relief. And he said, well, if it seems how I can't have any relief, Lord. 
He said, will you please go to my family and tell them where I am and tell them the truth that they might believe. And, and Jesus said, said uh, your family's had the prophets. Your family's had my word. Your family has had, you know, and, and Jesus listed all of the signs, wonders, all the evidence, all the word. He said they didn't believe. He said, why would, he said they didn't believe what I've already sent. Why would they believe now? See, every, people today, they want God to prove that God is God. God has already proved that he's God. He's already proved it. But see, they want something infallible and tangible that they can put their hands on, but this is a faith walk. This is a faith walk. At some point, you're, here's the deal. You're going to put your trust in something. Are you going to put your trust in yourself? Because you know what? You've been putting your trust in yourself for quite some time, and has anything gotten any better? No. Ask me how I know, because I did it myself for many years, and all it did was get worse and worse. You're going to put trust in I loved how one minister put it. He said, you're going to trust something. He said, you're going to go out here to the, he said, how much do you know you put trust in that dock that you walk on? You go out, to the, you go out here to the lake. Ain't nothing but, but, but wood and styrofoam, but yet you trust that thing's going to hold you up. Maybe it's metal. But still, you're going to trust that when you walk out on that water, that dock is going to hold you. How much you know? That's faith. You trust it. You trust it. You trust when you climb that 30-foot ladder that that ladder is going to hold you. You trust it. Now, to me, that's just silly. I mean, it's a little piece of aluminum. You're going to rely on aluminum to keep you 30 foot in the air. It's got two little legs. Maybe the ground, especially around here, the ground ain't solid. Every time my husband wants to get up somewhere high, I said, make sure I'm not home. I'll make sure I'm not home. Yeah, call Zach, make sure I'm not home. Why? Because we're putting faith in, in things that, that really don't have the ability to do what we expect them to do. But we refuse to put our faith in the Lord God Jesus who's well able to do everything that he's ever promised. John chapter 4. See, the Bible tells us that, that the devil, our enemy, roams the earth, roaring as a lion, as a lion, and as. seeking whom he may devour. The Bible also says he's a defeated foe. So how can he, how can he roam the earth, roaring as a lion, seeking whom he may devour? See, the devil knows that all he has to do is get us in fear. And then he's got his hooks in us. That's right. If we, if we cower down to him, he has power over us. Glory to God. The Bible says that, that, that I am a child of the Most High God. He says I am a royal priesthood. He says I am the healed. He says I... Come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the word. Father, we thank you for the anointing. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you, Father. I can't think while you're t doing right. that. Thank you. You're good. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't. You're fine. You're good. Thank you, Lord. Oh. He's, he, says, he says, I have the authority. He's, he says, I have the authority of Jesus' name. He says, Jesus lives on the inside of me. If Jesus lives on the inside of me, then the Father lives on the inside of me. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. And I have the authority of the name that is above all names. 
I only have to stand in the face of the devil. When the devil comes at me and tries to roar at me, he roars to make you scared. He roars to make you scared. He throws things at you like sickness or poverty or or self-doubt or anxiety. He throws these things at you, but all you have to do is stand there and go, No, devil, I am this child of the Most High God. I have the authority of his name. I will not bow to you. I, you are a defeated foe. You are nothing but a toothless lion that with no feet because you're defeated. That's right. You've been defeated. Glory and you to God. can't take me down. The one that's inside of me is greater than you, and you cannot take me down. You will not stop me. I will not back down. I have my healing. I can stand on my own two feet. I can walk without that walker. I will not bow down. I will not back down. I will take my healing in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. The devil cannot stop you. Only you can stop you. That's and right. he just has to get you to back down. So refuse to back down. That's Stand right. in his face and tell him no. Tell him I will not sin. I will not give you an open door into my life. I will not. I will not back down. I have the Lord in me. And I will not back down. Glory to God. John chapter 4 verse 10 says this. He said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give to me a drink. See, this is the woman at the well, and she said, Give unto me a drink. He said, If you understood who you were talking to, thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given thee living water. See, she was at the well and she was looking at natural water. But he said, if you understood who was, sit, who was standing in front of you, if you understood that I am the Lord of lords, King of kings, the salvation of the world, if you understood that I was Messiah, Savior, which means I have the ability to restore everything in your life, I have the ability to make everything completely whole, that's what Savior means. Is it, Savior doesn't mean you just get a ticket punched to heaven. Savior means he makes you completely whole with nothing missing. But see, all we do is we look to Jesus as Savior. No, 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 no. We don't understand that this word Savior is the word sozo. And the word sozo in the Greek means made completely whole with nothing lacking. That means your spirit is completely whole, your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions are whole and stable. That means that your body is physically made whole. Any sickness, any disease, any lack, any, 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 any medical condition that the medical industry has said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. This is your, this is your bed. You're going to have to lay in it. Well, that's their ability. But when you understand who is standing in front of you has a greater ability to, to restore your physical flesh back to the original created design of the Father, when you understand that and you go, Lord, which means whatever you say, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever you say, you tell me not to sin, I'm not going to sin. You tell me I can be set free from, from drugs and alcohol, then I'm set free. You tell me I can be set free from a medical condition, then I'm set free. You tell me that I can be set free, that, I, that you've set me free from poverty, well, then I have poverty no more. You tell me that I can be set because if, if I receive you, you break all of my lack in my life, then I have no lack anymore. 
See, he told her, he said, if you understood who was standing in front of you. But we don't understand who's standing in front of us. Who's standing in front of us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read just a couple more verses, picking up in verse 11. The anointed reader over here. All right. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, who, or which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? See, Jesus had met the woman at the well, and he walked up to her and said, give me something to drink. And she's like, how am I going to do this? I don't have anything that's a deep well. There's nothing to do. And he's like, girl, if you knew who was who asked you for water, you would have said to me, uh-uh, no. <laughs> Lord, you asking me for water, but I, you, I'm the one that needs to drink from you. But see, she was so busy looking with the natural eye that she did not see the spiritual truth. Well, the Spirit's in the future. No, the Spirit's right here and now. Jesus came preaching, repent, for, na- for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In order for something to be at hand, right now, Brianna's phone is at hand for me. All I have to do is reach out and take it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In order to obtain the kingdom of heaven, now all I have to do is reach out and grab it. How do I reach out and grab it? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Come on. Let's read. Let's see what Jesus had to say. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso- Talking about the well water. You, you, listen. Here's a bottle of water. You take it, you're going to thirst again. But look at what he said. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. He said, listen, he said, if you'll drink of me, if you'll drink of me, if you'll drink of me, Christ, the living water, you will never thirst again. He's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about spiritual thirst. One thing I remember now, well, when were you born again, Pastor? Well, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know. I don't know because I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was wee little, when I was little bitty. I cannot remember a single day in my life that I did not know that I know that I know that I was heaven bound until I got into my 20s. Until I got into my 20s. And I got offended at the hypocrites in the church. And I left the church. And these were the words that I said to my Lord, to my Father God. I said, God, as I walked out of the church, I said, God, I will love you all the days of my life, but I want absolutely nothing to do with your people because they are nothing but hateful hypocrites. And I walked out of the church for 12 years. And in doing so, I opened my life to the curse. Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 began to operate in my life. But I had no idea that that's what was happening because my uh, denominational church didn't teach me that. They taught me Jesus loved me, and thank God they did. But they didn't teach me about the devil. In fact, they said this, the Father is the Father, the Son is the Father's Son, and then there's the Holy Ghost. The Father's good, Jesus is love, the Holy Ghost, he's a good thing, but that's all we know about him. Oh, and the devil's bad, stay away from him. But they didn't tell us how to stay away from him. They didn't tell us that the way we stayed out of the devil's hand was to be obedient to the word of God. They didn't tell us that. So off into the world we went. 
We got into sexual sin. We got into alcoholism. We got into, now thank God, even though my family was into drugs, I never did drugs. There was just a, there was something in me. What was it? It was the Holy Ghost. Because had, we have now found out since then that had I gotten into drugs, I would have died. Would have died. Uh, but I did get into alcohol. We got, we got into sexual sin. We got into alcohol. We got into tattoos. I got, now I have two tattoos. Uh, are you against tattoos? No. Are you still getting them? No. Haven't had one since I came back to Christ. Why? Because they're of Satan. I'm just going to throw it out there. You don't like it? Go talk to Jesus about it. He's the one that said it in his word. We got into all kind. We got into poverty. We got into sickness. We got. In, I mean, it, we was a hot mess. And I remember sitting on my bed in Charlotte and just crying out to the Lord, Lord, I just want to come home. My mental mind, my natural mind said back to Murphy. My heart said, Father, I just want you again. And God judged me based on my heart, not on my head. Thank God. And, and, and uh, he said, and, 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 and the devil tried to convince us that mom was in a cult. So I came to prove that it wasn't a cult. Found the Lord. Thank God I found the Lord. Thank God I found a pastor that was my called past my, my, my he was the one that was called to be my pastor and he wasn't offended that I was out to prove that he was a cult. He said, Oh, here, let me help you prove it. He did. He said, Oh, you think we're a cult? Okay, let me help you prove it. Why? Because he was so confident in who his God was that he knew that what I would find was God. He knew it. But see, this is not talking about natural drink is talking about spiritual drink because in those 12 years that we were gone there was an emptiness in my stomach there was not not i mean i was fed uh, but but there was on the inside there was a darkness on the inside there was an emptiness on the inside there was a void and that void was growing and growing and growing and growing the farther into sin we went the more the darkness came the farther we went into sin, the more I felt dismayed. The farther into darkness we went, the more depression came in. The farther into darkness we went, the, the, the more the emptiness, the void on the inside grew. What was happening? I was a born-again Christian working my way out of salvation. That's what I was doing. I was working my way out of salvation. See, salvation is completely free. But once you obtain it, you have to maintain it. Once you obtain a car, you have to maintain a car. Once you obtain salvation, you have to maintain your salvation. But I wasn't maintaining it. I was doing everything I could to get rid of it. But I didn't know that. And so when I came back into the Father's house, when I, when I began to repent, oh, and it was, a, it, was, it was six months of severe sobbing and repenting, and my poor pastor, he thought, I don't know if she's ever going to be okay. I don't know. I mean, praise and worship would hit and the tears would fall and talk about wailing. I was so so sorry for all the harm that I had done to my to my Lord Jesus. But notice what it says, but whosoever shall drink of the well that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water 
springing up into everlasting life. There is, when you receive the new birth, when you receive Jesus Christ, there's a water, there's, there's the living water of Christ. Christ is that living water. Christ comes in and he fills and floods that void that's there without God. And that, and that living water is ever springing up. It's ever springing up. And when you get over, you know, during praise and worship, it didn't take very long. I sensed the angels of God come in, and I said, whew, the angels are already here. I sensed them come in, and, and, and the anointing fell, and on the inside. And really, before we ever got to service, really while I was getting ready this morning, I said, Lord, there's, there's something going on. Lord, there's a, there's a bubbling in my spirit. Lord, there's something, there's something in my spirit. Lord, the, what was that? That was the living water bubbling up. Because the living water has a job to do today. The living water has the word to preach today. The living water has something to speak to the hearts and minds of every person today. That's what the living water is for. Turn over to chapter 6. Turn over to chapter 6. In John. In John. John 6. And uh, he's, look at verse 35. These are the words of Jesus. John six thirty-five. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Glory to God. Notice what he said. He said, I am the bread of life. Remember I said there was a void on the inside. There was an emptiness on the inside. There was something that my flesh... See, when, you're, when your flesh is in control, when, when that part of you is in control, you're always looking for something to satisfy the flesh. The flesh is always wanting the next high, the next thrill, the next excitement. The flesh is always wanting the next great meal. The flesh is always wanting that next cool drink. That flesh is always looking for that next big fish. That flesh is always looking for that next big high point deer. That flesh is always hungry for something, no matter how big big you get in life your flesh is unsatisfied that's an unquenchable hunger but jesus said when you find me you get the bread of life and that hunger is no longer a problem anymore Amen. why because i'm completely satisfied in who my christ is i can get i can get off by myself with my bible and spend time with jesus and not have any problems i can get into my word and spend hours and hours and hours with my lord jesus and I don't feel like I'm being deprived of anything. In fact, there's times that I'll get into the Word so much and so involved that I'm like, oh, my gosh. I am being no earthly good right now because I am so heavenly minded. I just want to sit and just soak him. Why? Because I'm at total peace. There's no hunger driving me. There's no hunger driving me. There's no thirst driving me. The only thirst driving me is a hunger and a thirst for more of God. For more of God. And you can get to the place where you get so much of God that you go, hey, God, can you turn this down a little bit? I've done that. I've been in that place where, I mean, the anointing of God was so thick. I mean, I just, I mean people just fall out in rows. Just so thick. And that anointing stayed. And, I mean, I just, oh, man. And, I, I mean, it got so thick. I, I just, oh, it was hard to, it was hard to do anything because the anointing, the power of God was so thick on me. I finally had to say, Lord, I can't. I mean, almost quaking under the power of God for days on end. And I just said, Lord, you got to turn this thing down. This is, this is too much. I can't. Why? Because my flesh couldn't handle it. 
Oh, but now I long for the days for the Lord to turn it up. Turn it up, Lord. Turn it up. Come on, Lord. Turn it up. Let's get your power again. Oh, turn it up. Lord, I'll be able to sustain it better. I understand it better. I know what it is better. Come on, Lord. Let's turn this thing up. Come on. Let's keep reading. Where was I? Verse 36. Okay. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believed not. Come on. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no way, no wise cast out. He said, look at this. He said, you've seen me. You've seen my works. You've seen my truth. Come on, haven't we seen it? Haven't we seen Brother Richard heal to Parkinson's? Well, we still see him tremor from time to time. No, he's healed. Come on, he's healed. He's the healed of the Lord. We've, we've heard his voice clear up. We've seen Brooke. She used to wobble, hobble with a, with a bone spur. She doesn't do that anymore. Pastor Mike had a chainsaw injury. They said, oh, we're gonna, you're going to end up, have, you're going to get an infection, guaranteed. They're going to have to shorten your foot. You're going to have to wear special shoes. You're going to have to retire from the, from the forest service, not being a firefighter. You're going to walk with a limp and a cane all the days of your life. And none of that happened. None of that happened. Amen. We've Praise seen God. the goodness of God. We, we saw Jack. Jackie lives in a tent trailer. She did at the time. A trailer. That stupid thing caught on fire. And she called her pastor first. How much, you know, when a trailer catches on fire, uh, you have zero time to respond. She called the pastor, and the pastor said, um, would you please call 911? Because it's going to burn down before we get off the phone. But how much, you know, the trailer is still standing today. Still today, what is that? That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. Brianna has been to the throne room not once but twice and testified about it. Bridget's back here been living MS-free for how many years? More than she can remember. Why? Because God is the divine healer. Miss Ann has a perfectly strong heart. They've tested her heart 16 ways to Sunday. They're like, you got a strongest heart. And there's no blockages. Mom, how old are you? 74? 75. And zero blockages in her heart. That doesn't happen. Come on. We've seen the goodness of God. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen it time and time again, and yet people go, that's coincidence. That's, that's, just, that's just healthy eating. No. 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 Well, you're just lucky. Luck ain't got nothing to do with it. Blessed. 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 Why? Because they've all repented, turned from their wicked ways, and are living according to the law of God. And God has blessed them and sustained them. Come on. He said, I said, but I say unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. How many times did Pastor Mike, there were, I know of at least two times, he was out on the fire line and could have gotten burned over, yet somehow supernaturally saved. One of them right here. On Scott, over there by Scott Laney Hill, one of them. Come on. We've seen the miracles of God. We've seen the goodness of God. We've seen the alcoholic and the drug addict going from being completely addicted to being completely sober and living totally different. We've seen the homosexual set free. Come on. We've seen the abused go from victim to survivor. 
Come on, we've seen the goodness of God. And yet, people go, ah, just, that's coincidence. No, come on, let's keep going. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 37, he read that, I want to point that out. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. No person, no individual comes to salvation unless the Father God draws their heart. Nobody can come to salvation unless the Father God draws their heart. Why? Because they need saving faith to get saved. And unless the Father endues them with saving faith, they can't get saved. But here's the wonderful thing. The Father God gives every man, woman, and child that desires to be saved saving faith. He, he senses the, he judges the heart of the good and the evil, and he says, that one's ready. Let me pull him towards salvation. And when he pulls him, to, see, see, nobody can come to salvation without the Father's hand upon him. The big, so many people want to see the spectacular. Woo, I want to see demons cast out. The biggest miracle you will ever see in your life is somebody getting born again. Mm-hmm. Because unless the, unless the gift of faith, special faith, special healing faith is in operation, unless somebody is preaching and proclaiming the word, Romans says, who can, who can receive God unless somebody preacheth? unless somebody proclaims, unless somebody declares, then faith can't come. But if somebody will declare, then faith can come. And when faith comes, then they can receive, and then they become born again. And then just like that, actually faster than that, they have a brand new recreated heart on the inside. Now, they can look in the mirror and say, well, I look like the same old sinner that I've always looked like. It's because God doesn't change you on the outside. He changes you on the inside. Well, I still think that I'm a loser. I still think that I'm no good. I still think that nobody loves me. It's because God doesn't work on the mind. He works on the spirit. You have to renew your mind through the washing of the word, through the washing with the blood. But when you say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my Savior. I believe, we, I believe in you with my heart, not with my head. Faster than that, he swoops in. He takes out your old stony heart, your old spirit that's been disconnected from the Father, and he reconnects you, and he fills you with the living water of Christ. He baptizes you in Christ, and you become a brand new creature. You become something that's never been created before. And in that moment, is, and then after that moment is when you go to work to change this thing. The Bible says that I've lost my train of thought. Anyways, it's coming. Thank you, Father. Pull on the anointing. Come on, pull on it. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that, that Jesus is the way, and that 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 He's the only way to heaven. That we have to go through Him, and that if we accept Him, that He be, that He becomes our Savior. And if we confess it out of our mouth, He becomes our Savior. That He is Lord and Savior. Okay. Uh, now, it, the Bible says the Bible says that Jesus was the only perfect person ever. You know, and and this is true. He 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 is the only perfect, the one in true sacrifice. He's the only one that could have done what he did. No one else could have gone to the cross for our sin. The Bible says that. Uh, uh, well, 
not the Bible, but people say that, that, that we are just old sinners saved by grace. Come on. And this is true. We are saved by grace. And we all were sinners. Come on, but we're not still. Yeah. Come you on. know, a lot of people say, well, Jesus was the only perfect person, and nobody else could be perfect, so why bother trying? Well, Jesus also told, told, told most of the folks that he met and, and that, that he did miracles for and stuff, he told them to go and sin no more. Come on. If, why would he say that if it wasn't possible? You know, Jesus was tempted just the way we are. Jesus came down to earth. He laid down his godhood and came down to earth to become a man. Come on. Why did he do that? Because to be the perfect man, he had, to, he had to be tempted just the same way we were. He had to feel all the desires we felt, and he had to say no. Come on. Just the way we do. Come on. If, if, but they said, but he's, he's Jesus. He's God. It was easy for him. No, it wasn't. Was no he was tempted him. just the way we are. He was made a man just like us. And, and he, but he did it. Why, why, why is he different than us? Why? Because he knew from, the, from, from a young child who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. He knew that he was, a, he was the royal priest. He knew that, that, that he was called, what he was called to do and what God wanted him to do. He knew. You know, we can stand just the way Jesus did. We can say no to the devil, but we have to know who we are. We have to know that God is in us, that the Holy Spirit guides us. We have to know the word. We have, because when Jesus was tempted by the devil, how did, he, how did he defeat him? With the word. If we don't know the word, how can we defeat him? We can't. We have to know who we are, and that requires us spending a lot of time in that Bible, more than just here in church. Because if we don't know that, we're going to be the defeated ones. The devil will roar, and we will cower down before him, and he will have his hooks in us. Glory to God. You can't do that. See, Jesus was just like you and me, but he knew who he was. When you know who you are, you'll be able to stand just like him. Verse 38, he said, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. See, Jesus didn't come to do his will. Jesus came to do the Father's will. We're not doing this. We're not preaching because it's our want to. We're doing it because the Lord told us to. In fact, I, I avoided being the pastor, doing pastorship for as long as I possibly could, in fact, the Lord told me back in April of 2019 that we were going to be pastors, and I didn't say a word. I didn't even say anything to my husband. I kept my mouth closed. And apparently sometime around the same time, actually I think the Lord talked to him first, told him, y'all are fixing to become pastors. And Michael said, mm, I ain't saying a word, Lord. That's, good. That's going to be an interesting thing to see. Uh, and then when the, when the door opened, Michael looked at me because I was still, I ain't saying it, I ain't saying it, I am, I'm not saying a word, Lord, I'm not saying it. Finally, Michael looked at me and said, you know we're supposed to be the pastors, right? 
you know we're supposed to close that ministry and start the ministry that the God tell, that God's already laid upon our heart and that we're supposed to take the flock that remains. And I said, hold on. And there I went, got my book that had the blueprint and said, here. He said, you know, he laughed at me. He said, you know what this is, right? I said, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. He said, you know, this is a church, right? I said, I told you not to say it. So then we looked at each other. We said, well, what are we going to do? Well, we have two choices. We can either follow the flesh and not do it and open the door to the curse, or we can be obedient and do it. So guess what we chose? To be obedient and do it. Not that we wanted to. And then, you know what I dealt with for a long time after that? Who came to me? He did. Who said, you know you're the one that's supposed to be, we're supposed to be the pastor, right? Who said that? He did. Who was the one that said, you know, we're supposed to take the congregation, right? Who said that? He did. And then do you know what I dealt with for the next year and a half? Every time I'd go to him and say, hey, da-da-da-da, he'd go, God gave you the blueprint, not me. That's exactly what he'd tell me every time. I'd go to him and I'd say, da-da-da-da-da, this is what the Lord showed me. He said, Lord gave you the blueprint, not me. Come on, we have a choice. We can either follow the flesh, which will take you to hell, or you can follow your spirit, which will take you into everlasting life with the Father. It's your choice. It's your choice. Oh, my goodness. He said, I'm not doing, Jesus, see, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he himself has not already done. Yep. Jesus said, do my will, as I've done the Father's will. See, he, everything, that, everything that comes from Jesus comes from the Father. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. It's the Father's will that not a single person be lost to the pits of hell. See, God calls and God pulls every man, woman and child. And it's the Father's will that none of them be lost but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. He said, well, you just never know the will of God. You just never know the will of God. You can't know the will of God. Have you ever heard any of that? The will of God is a mystery. We just read in the Bible what the will of the Father is. The will of the Father is that nobody goes to hell. The will of the Father is that in the last day everybody's raised to everlasting life. And that we, ha- the will that we of might the Father. Have, have life and have it more abundantly. The will of the Father is that we don't get our life thieved and stolen and, and destroyed. The will of the Father is that we have life and we have it more abundantly, not just in eternity, but here upon the earth. Oh, my goodness. Well, how do you make all of this happen? I'm so glad that you asked. And, and the, word, the word of God is truth and it is just that's right it's true and just that's right which means he's not going to ask us to do anything that we can't do through him because he tells us we can do all things through christ who strengthens us as long as we look to the father and keep our eyes on the father and keep our eyes on jesus and listen to the holy spirit and read our word we will be able to do everything he tells us we can do go to romans chapter 10 romans chapter 10 romans chapter 10 Verse 10. 
verse Thank 9 you. and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We're not going to spend a long time here because we go over this verse a lot. But let's make it real simple. How do you get everlasting life? How do you avoid the pits of hell and get into the gates of heaven? How do you do that? What is this born again? What is this saved? What is this salvation? How do you do it? Oh, it's so simple. The things of God are so simple. Look at verse 9. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Glory to God. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 says that if, and that if means you have a choice, if you will choose to confess with your mouth the Savior Jesus. No. The Lord The Jesus. Lord Jesus. There's a difference between Savior and Lord. Savior is nothing more than I believe in you and therefore I get my ticket punched. That doesn't bring anything. He said, if you will confess the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, which means you will confess, Jesus, you are Lord and Master. Whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'll do. He said, if you will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, in your heart. This is not believing in your head. Many people believe in the Lord Jesus from up here. They mental assent. Yeah, I believe Jesus lived. Yep, I believe he's the son of God. They say he died, from, he died and rose again. I guess that's true. See, that's nothing more than mental assent. This doesn't say if you'll believe in your head. It says you'll believe in your heart. Pastor Mike and I did youth ministry for years and years and years, and this is the best way I know how to equate it. Remember when you were a kid, and you would go to mom or dad, and you'd tell them, Dad, I just want you to know that I love you. And what would mom or dad say? What do you want? What do you want? Because, see, they, they know. They're teenager. The only time their teenager wants to tell them they love them is when they want something from them because they're at the age of rebellion. But in that moment, your teenager goes, no, seriously. You said as a teenager, no, seriously, I don't want anything. I don't need any money. I don't want to go to the movies. I'm not trying to get out of anything. I've not done anything wrong. I just need you to know that I truly do love you and I truly do appreciate you. That's your heart. That's your heart. That's the place of your heart. And it's from that place that you make the decision, I believe. That's I it. confess. It says here that, that, that we have to believe that God has raised him from the dead. Now, that is true, but that's not the only part of that. You have to believe in who the Bible says Jesus is. You have to believe that he died on the cross for our sins. You have to believe that he is the son of God and that he was a perfect sacrifice. But here's the deal. If you believe that God raised him from the dead, the only one that God raised from the dead is his son. Now, does it say that you have to understand it? No. No. Do I understand how God raised him from the dead other than I figured out that the Holy Spirit was the one that quickened him? I don't know. I don't know how the Holy Spirit did it. I don't know. Was it magical fairy dust? No, it was the power of God, but I don't understand how. 
I just know that it happened. Do I understand how Jonah spent three days in the whale and the big fish? No, I don't get that. Do I understand how the Red Sea was split and they walked across on dry land? Not, I mean, it's one thing to believe the Red Sea was split. It's a whole other thing to, believe, to understand that they walked across on dry land. I don't know how that happened. I have no idea. I have no idea how, how Paul survived being shipwrecked three times, being stoned literally to death and coming back to life under the, only, uh, under the power and the anointing that was in him. Nobody even laid hands on him. Nobody even declared for him to come out of the tomb. The anointing that was on him was so thick it raised him from the dead. Do I get that? No. Do I get how Paul was in the upper room and he was preaching and the kid fell out of the window three stories and died? And Paul went down and said, get up in the name of Jesus and went back upstairs and went back to preaching? I, I as a pastor, would have a hard time with that. But he did it. And a few hours later, here came the dead man, now alive and well, to hear more preaching. I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. All I have to do is believe it. All I have to do is trust that it's true. There's something on the inside that tells me. See, my head, I've, I've, I've prayed the prayer of salvation with many people, and they go, but I don't understand. I said, that's not what I, I said, listen to me. Set aside your thought. Set aside your thought. I said, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to check down on the inside. And if down on the inside you go, yeah, that's true, that's what I'm talking about. Down on the inside, do you know that it's true that Jesus died and rose again. I can't explain it, but yeah, I know that's true. That's faith. That's believing. That's God putting that knowing on the inside of you so that you can be saved. That saving faith in action. He, so he said this. He said, if thou shalt confess with your mouth, does that mean that you can just think? Your, just think. And be saved? No. You have to speak it out of your mouth. Well, what if somebody can't talk? Can you talk? Yeah, I can talk. You don't qualify. Okay. If thou shalt confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in their heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart, man does what? Believeth. Believes unto? Righteousness. Righteousness. For with your heart, you trust that what God has said is true. And in that moment of time, when you confess those words, instantly you are made righteous in God's sight. And with the mouth, confession is made. When you make that confession, made unto salvation, that's the moment that everything changes. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The moment that you believe that, the moment that you pray that from your heart, the moment that you say, well, do I have to pray a long, hard, drawn-out prayer? No, you can do this. Father, I see in your word that your word says that if I'll confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is, that, confess that Jesus is the Lord and that you raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. So, Father, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that the Lord Jesus has been raised from the dead, therefore I am saved. Boom, you're saved. Instant of time. Bam. Just like that. As long as you believe it from the heart. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Glory to God. The moment you pray that prayer, you become in Christed. Immediately, the Father no longer sees you as a sinner. He now sees you as the redeemed in Christ. You become grafted into Christ. You become a member of Christ's body. And when, you, when that occurs... Your old spirit, separated from God, exists no more, and a brand new creature, a brand new thing, is birthed in you, and that is your recreated human spirit that's alive unto God, that's the eternal part of you that's going to live forever. Notice he said, all thing, he, said, he said, old things have passed away. Those old things that pass away is your past sins. God no longer sees your sins. God, the moment that you become in Christ, God, no longer, immediately your sinful record is expunged. Immediately it is erased. Immediately you are redeemed. Immediately you are restored into perfect fellowship with the Father. Now it's your responsibility to go out and not commit any more crime. Think that through. When, you're, when your record is expunged, the judge will tell you, now don't go out and commit any more crime. When your record is expunged through Christ, Jesus says, now go and don't commit any sin. What is sin? Sin is not hard to figure out. When growing up, I thought sin was like this list and list and list of rules. It's not a list and list and list of rules. It's simply choosing to do wrong when you know to do right. If you know it's wrong to behave the way you're behaving, sin. If you know it's wrong to put poison in your body, it's sin. But you do it anyway, it's sin. If you know it's wrong to cheat, but you do it anyways, it's sin. If you know it's wrong to have sexual relationship on any level outside of marriage, and you do it anyways, it's sin. It's that simple. Sin is choosing to do wrong when you know to do right. So he said, the moment you receive Christ, bam, your slate is clean. Now, don't go commit any crimes. That's what it means. But, Pastor, what if I don't know that it's a sin? Your spirit will know. That's right. But if you go, well, I don't know, and then you do that act, and then on the inside there's this thing going, why did you do that? Come on. Let's make a change. Let's make an adjustment. That's when you repent. Let me be very clear. Repentance is not, Father, I'm, I'm, Father forgive me, I'm sorry. And you go right back and do the same sin. That's not repentance. Repent, repentance is not forgiveness. Forgiveness comes with repentance, but forgiveness is not repentance. What is repentance? Repentance means, well, I'm going to drink and I'm going to cuss and I'm going to live all crazy and wild and I'm going to do my own way. And then the Spirit says, no, 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 you're a new creature in Christ. Stop doing that. It, then in that moment you go, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You're right. Old things are passed away. I'm not that person anymore. Now I'm going to walk this way and I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to be a sinner anymore. I'm walking clean. I said that Jesus is my Lord. Whatever Jesus says, that's what I'm going to do. I am a doer of the word. So what did we do? We made a complete about face, and we stopped going the way we were going. Now, let me be very clear. When you are born again, your mind does not change. You have to get in the Word to change your mind. The only thing that changes is your spirit. Your spirit changes. Your, mind, your mind's still going to be just like it was, and your flesh is still going to have those same desires that they had that got you in so much trouble to start with. Yep. But you have to train your 
you have to train your mind through your spirit not to follow the desires of the flesh. How do you train your mind? You get into the word, you be a doer of the word. Glory to God. Now, when you become, what does this new creature look like? I'm so glad you asked. Turn to First John, little John, First John. Keep working your way towards Revelation. You'll run right into First John. First John, chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 8. He that loveth not knowledge, or, or he that loveth not, excuse me. You had it right. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Keep For going. God is love. When you become born again, that creature on the inside is a creature of love. That new creation on the inside is a creature or a creation of love. Why? Because God is love and now God is on the inside. So now the love of God, real love, true love, not human love. See, human, natural human love hits a ceiling. Natural human love gets to a certain point and says, that's it, I quit. Natural human love says, I can't do this anymore. Natural human love says, <laughs> just let me have a piece of them. I've had my fill, and now let me have a piece of them. But natural God's human, love... Natural human love says, what do I get out of it? Yeah, natural human love says, what can you do for me? But that's not love. That's natural human love, and, and it fails. But now we see here God is love, and this brand-new born-again creature on the inside, that brand-new born-again creature on the inside of you is made of love he is love go to romans 5 5 go to romans 5 5 we believe in using our bible in this house we believe in connecting the the, the, the scriptures romans 5 5 and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, when you, when, you're, when you are born again, your human, recreated, born-again spirit comes in direct contact with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, it, 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 he brings you... He, 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 he lives on the inside, and he works with, your, with the eternal part of you, your human spirit, to help you walk like God would have you to walk. And one of the first things that the Holy Ghost does in you is he infuses you with the love of God all through your spirit, everywhere. This is why the fruit of the Spirit... The first fruit of the Spirit that we see in the Scriptures is love. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. The first fruit is love. Why? Because God is love. And His love is shed abroad in our heart. It's filled in us. But most people don't know what this love looks like. Most people don't understand how this love operates. Most people don't comprehend love. Oh, but thank God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul 
to write about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and let's begin to describe this love that is in all of us. Well, Pastor, you've been taking a long time to get us to some things that we already knew. You've got to see the road map. You've got to see the road map. You've got to understand how does this love get in you? How does this love operate? Is that love really in me? Why couldn't I not walk in this love before? Well, you couldn't walk in this love before because you didn't have it until you were born again. You couldn't walk in it until you were born again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now here in the King James, King James interprets the word love or agape as the word charity. Now, if you have a habit of saying, well, I ain't, take, I ain't no charity case. I ain't receiving nobody's charity. Let's, 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 let's say it this way. Well, I ain't no love case. I'm not taking anybody's love. That puts a whole different spin on charity, doesn't it? That puts a whole different... I mean, come on. Who's going to reject love? Come on. But we'll say, I, I ain't no charity case. I ain't taking nobody's charity. I can do on my own. Basically, you're elevating yourself above God because God is charity and God is love. He said, no, 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 no. So we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. Let's read verses 1 through 3. All right. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, chapter 13 is sandwiched right between chapters uh, 12 and 14. That Chapter 12 and 14 are all about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Holy Ghost. And so when he said in verse 1, let's go back to verse 1 on the screen. When he goes back to verse 1 and he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. In other words, when you're a tongue-talking Christian. When you pray in the Spirit, when you give public tongues, you're a tongue-talking Christian. In other words, you speak in your God-given heavenly language. That's what he's talking about. Because remember, it's sandwiched in between these two chapters that are talking about spiritual gifts. And have not love, I am become as a as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Remember the monkey with the cymbals? How much do you know that thing gets on your nerves real fast? If you, you can be a tongue-talking Christian, but if you are full of hate, you are nothing more than that monkey. I mean, some of, some, some of the meanest people you will ever meet in your life are tongue-talking Christians. Sad. Dipped in prune juice, pickled in lemon juice, just mean. Why? Because they've not worked on their love walk. They've not worked on their love walk. And that's what he's talking about. He said, he said, listen, if you don't understand that God is love and you don't walk in this new creature that you are, man, you ain't nothing but an annoying sound. Let's go to verse 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith 
so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. He said, though I have the gift of prophecy. How much do you know the gift of prophecy is one of the fruit, is one of the gifts of the Spirit? There's tongues, there's interpretation, and then there's prophecy. Tongues and interpretation equals prophecy. What is prophecy? You are able to speak by the sudden inspiration of the Holy Ghost in a moment. You can have prophecy all day long. And the understanding of all mysteries. You can walk closely with God. You, you, God can reveal some things. You can get revelation of the word. You can have words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Look at what he says. And all knowledge. Understanding all mysteries. That means the word of wisdom is in operation because wisdom deals with future tense. The word of knowledge, that deals with present tense. And, all, and I have all faith. That's the gift of special faith. So that I could remove mountains. That's the working of signs, miracles, and, and wonders. Yep, moving move a mountain takes special faith. Yeah, you could have the gifts of the Holy Ghost in operation, but yet, if you have no love, it means nothing to you. It means nothing to the people around you. It means nothing to the people around you. In fact, you can do that and actually turn people away from Christ. I know of some ministers, they have this operating in their life. They have signs, wonders, and miracles. They're casting out demons. They're doing all kinds of works for Christ, but they're full of hate. They're full of dishonor. They don't care to rip somebody down in their congregation, in front of the entire congregation. They're lacking the love of God. And therefore, their works are of no effect. He said, no, no, no. In fact, in fact, remember Jesus said in the last days, talking about the seed of Christ, he said, remember, he said, remember he said uh, there would be many that would come to me and say, but Lord, Lord, we've prayed in other tongues. But Lord, Lord, we've cast out demons. But Lord, Lord, we've healed the sick. But Lord, Lord, we've done signs, wonders, and miracles. And you tell us we don't qualify? He said, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Now, in our study of love, we found out that anything outside of love is a work of Satan. You better be real careful. A lot of people, and the Bible tells us to be, zeal, to be zealous of these gifts and want these gifts. But if you want these gifts without love, you're messing yourself up. You're messing yourself up. No, we've got we to gotta develop our love walk. Last, when, last Sunday, we taught about how everything that, every miracle that Jesus did, he was moved with compassion and love. And it was that compassion and love that brought miracles, that brought divine healings. Isn't it interesting that in here divine, list, divine healings isn't listed? All the other ones are listed, but divine healings is not listed. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yep, got to have the got to have love's got to be an operation for healing to work. Come on, now. So, what is? This charity, what is this love that's been shed abroad in our hearts? Well, let's read. Verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Bearest all things, believeth all things, 
hopeth all things, endureth all things. Glory to God. Glory to God. One more verse. Okay. At least part of one more verse. All right. Charity never faileth, but where whether there be prophecies, there sh uh, they shall fall, fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Notice the first part of this. It says charity or love never fails. Right. Never fails. Uh, Brooke, on easy worship, do we have just the amplified or do we have amplified classic? Just amplified. All right. Let me switch to the one I have. I really like the way the Amplified Classic says it, but let me switch my Bible. We're going to pull, we're, let's pull verse 4 in the Amplified. I'll have to fix that. Let me change my Bible here so I've got the same version y'all have. All right. So here it says. Starting in 4. Verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Now, I want you to see this. He said, love, in the King James, it says, love suffereth long and is kind. Another way to say suffereth long is patience. Yes. The Amplified says, love endures with patience and serenity. In other words, love endures, it is patient and at peace. That's what it means. It means while you're dealing, you, so in order to be in love, if you're having to deal with something that is challenging to you, you have the ability to stay patient. And while you're staying patient, you have the ability to stay at peace. Why? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, Peace. Peace. See, the peace of God is in you. The love of God is in you, which means that love is not only patient, but love is also peaceful. You don't have to yell and scream and fuss and feud. You can stay calm. You can stay sweet. You can stay very patient. I love how the King James says this. The King James actually says, charity or love suffereth long and is kind, which means that while you're being patient, you stay kind. Now, a lot of people will stay patient because they have no choice. You know, you're, you're dealing with a situation and you're on somebody else's time clock. How much do you know you're having to wait on their time clock, but you're not necessarily always nice about it, Right? You're like, I need this information and I need it now. What is wrong with you? What is taking so long? Why are you slowing my progress? Is that kind? Is that at peace? Nope. Nope. I used to work retail. And, and when you work retail, you kind of got to do every job out there. One of the things that you got to do when the, when the retail place gets busy is you got to be quick to jump on a register. So you jump on a register and, uh, and you try to get people out the door. But as soon as, you are, well, as soon as you open your register, if the registers are backed up, before you even start your first customer, your register is already backed up. And people are already annoyed because they've already been waiting in a long line. And so people be, oh. Now, we had cashiers that would handle this in two different ways. 
you'd have the cashier that would pick up on that person's mood, and they'd get moody, and then they'd slam the stuff through the scanners, which would make the people even madder, and get everything all stirred up. I just hate that. I don't know why these people are going to come in here like this. Why they got to have a mood. I'm doing my job as fast as I can. How much do you know? That's not being kind or patient or at peace. But I learned something. I learned that if I, the cashier, would be calm and be sweet, if I would be kind, and if I would stay at peace, the people around me would be calm. And I could, put, I could calm them down and I could get them at peace. So when I would jump on the register, I would take the next person in line because they've obviously been waiting the longest. You know, somebody tried to jump in and I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm going to take care of them because they've been waiting the longest. If you were in their shoes, you'd want me to do the same for you. And they'd go, oh, okay, but I'll get you just as soon as I get them. And I'll, I'll get to them as fast, I'll get through them as fast as I can. You know, and then we said, man, it's just really busy. I, oh, well, you know what? It's the first of the month. The store's always busy because everybody just got their paychecks. We're getting you through as fast as we can. What am I doing? I'm being kind. And thoughtful. And thoughtful. I'm staying at peace. What is that? Walking in love. Now, I learned this tactic when I was out there in the world. So when I came into Christ and Christ said, be patient, be kind, that was real easy for me. Because I learned that it worked. Why? What did we read? What was that one, that last verse? Love never fails. See, when you, when you put love out front, then love will overcome everything that the devil has, and, and, and things will become more peaceful, things will be calmer, things will be easier. So he said here, he said, yep, verse 8, he said, love never fails. It never fades nor ends. This is, see, uh, I love how Dad Hagen says it. He says, he says, the love of God has never been to divorce court. The love of God has never been to divorce court. Why? Because love never fails. The, the love of God. Human love hits a ceiling. Human love says, I can't do this. Human love says, I'm done. Human says, I, can't, I cannot deal with you another day. The love of God says, We're, we can get through this. We can make some adjustments. We can work on this. You know, I've not been walking in love like I should have been. I've not been loving you the way I need to be loving you. I've not been taking care of you the way I need to be taking care of you. I'm so sorry. Let's kind of back up and, 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 and let's rehandle some things. Michael and I are working on our 30, we're finished, in November will be our 34th anniversary, which means we'll have completed 34 years of marriage. How, wow, that doesn't happen anymore. How come you guys are able to do it? Because of the love of God. Because without the love of God, I can tell you right now, if we had not come into Christ, we would be divorced today. I can tell you that 100% guaranteed we would not have made it. If I was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 this, we're not talking about the ashtray. This, it's true. I threw, I threw, you know, those big, those old, those old ashtrays from the 70s and 80s, you know, the real heavy crystal ashtrays, you know, those real heavy ones. I, we weren't living for God and he made me mad. And I took, I mean, I was aiming for his head. Good thing I wasn't a good throw because I was aiming for his head. I was aiming to kill him. Good thing you still had that tunnel vision. At that point, I did. That was his, that was his saving grace because I was taking him out. 
But see, the love of God, the love of God reached in. The love of God helped us break through that anger because both of us had a temper issue. Both of us had an anger issue. The love of God taught us to be patient. The love of God taught us to be kind. The love of God taught us to be peaceful. So when we came into Christ, um, one thing that we learned from our pastor is our pastor taught us, he said, and and Michael had made this decision earlier also, um, but one thing that we learned was at the end of the day, no matter how bad the day is, love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. You need to get this. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. There is an emotion that comes with love. This is why people say, oh, well, the feeling faded. Oh, we just fell out of love. Like you were walking down the sidewalk and tripped into a hole and decided to climb out of it one day. That's not how love works. No, love is a choice. See, when you, when you, when you choose to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're choosing love. Why? Because God is love. So, so in your relationships, you have to choose to love people. We've dealt with, we've dealt with, we've been in ministry for 22 years now, and and people will tell us, people we'll see people that that you know we haven't seen, we know they're living in sin, stuff like that. We'll still walk up to them, we'll still give, they'll say, can I have a hug? Oh, absolutely, you can have the best. You know, we'll give them the best hug. We love them, we encourage them, we pray for them, and they're like, how can you still love us? Like, how can you still be this good to us? It's not us, it's the love of God. Our people will say, you know, Pastor, you know, da da da, you know, and they'll bring us these, all, this, all this mess that they're in, and they're expected because, because Satan puts fear in you. Satan will tell them, they're going to kick you out, they're going to tell you they're done with you, they're going to tell you to hit the road, they're going to. See, he's, he's trying to convince you that we're going to operate in human love, and, we, and, and we'll counsel you through it, and then we're just like, okay, and they're like, how come you can be so good to us? love of god it's the love of god we read last week that we're supposed to love our enemies bless those that curse us do good to them that despitefully use us you know and so people will be like do you not know what they do to you about you behind your back yeah we know why well, you know i say well, well why what's up with that they'll say but you're so good to them that's because of the love of god see the love see see we have to understand that love is patient. Love is patient. Love endures. What does it mean to endure? It means you put up with it. That's why the King James says, love suffereth long. That means you suffer for a long time. You put up with hurts and you put up with pains and you put up with distresses and you put up with uncomfortableness and you put up with the fact that they leave their clothes on the bathroom floor. You put up with the fact that they leave the lid off the toothpaste. You put up with the fact that they leave their dirty dishes in the sink. You put up with the fact that you ask them to do something and they don't get it done because they forget. You put up. Why? You suffer long because you choose to love. You choose to love. He said, he said, and you do it while you walk in love. Notice the Amplified says love endures long with what? Patience. Well, I don't have any patience. Oh, you do have patience. Patience was put in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and 
patience, long-suffering, the ability to suffer long. How much you know Jesus suffered long on the cross? How much you know Jesus suffered long in the three days and three nights in the grave? How much you know that was long-suffering? He had never experienced being cut off from the Father, and he was completely cut off for three days and three nights. How much you know that's long-suffering? Because it was three spiritual days and three spiritual nights. You know, that's long. That's, that's long. For, for you to go from, you, from, from the beginning of time up until the point he went to the cross, he had never been without the Father, and now he's without the Father, and he's in utter torment, the exact opposite of what the Father is. How much you know that's suffering? Oh, but he did it so you and I don't have to. And when he did it, he, and, and, then, and then we became born again, and God's patience was put into us, then the ability to suffer long was put in us. But here's the problem. The world has convinced you and you've convinced yourself that you have no patience. Tell you what, do what Pastor Michael and I did. Pray for patience. Go ahead, pray for it. Go ahead. I give you permission. Go ahead. <laughs> they know. Because Pastor Mike and I, we, we, we said, oh, love is patient. Well, Lord, we need some patience. Father, give us some patience. See, when you ask the Lord to give you patience, he doesn't give you patience because he's already placed it in you at the new birth. What he gives you is opportunities to work your patience. So we said, Father, give us patience. Help us to grow our patience. And he said, use ministers. Done deal. And now we're dealing with teenagers, rebellious teenagers. And we're dealing with their parents. <laughs> That'll work your patience. That will work your patience. He said, it endures long, is patient with serenity. That means that you'll have the ability, not only will you suffer long, but you'll stay at peace. Now, I'm telling you right now, I've learned to be patient. But being patient and staying at peace the entire time, after 22 years, I'm still working on it. Still working on it. Still working on it. You see his smile, right? He's like, yeah, she's still working on it all right. Love is kind and thoughtful love thinks about the other person first love thinks about the other person first when somebody's raking your last nerve are you thinking about them first you're thinking uh, about nope. them first all right i'm gonna punch you in the face right about now go ahead say one more thing to me and i'm gonna show you how thoughtful i am about you that's not the kind of thoughtful it's talking about. It's the kind of thoughtful it's talking about is how can I bless them? Oh, Billy keeps stealing my food out of the refrigerator. I'm going to fix him a meal all right, and I'm going to put a little Epicac in it with it. I'm going to put a little I'm gonna put a little diuretic in there for him. I'm going to put a little something, something in there, and he's going to be spending some time in the back. No, that's not being thoughtful. That's not being, th that's not being thoughtful. No, being thoughtful is I know Billy likes lasagna. I'm gonna take him some extra. I'm gonna fix the lasagna. I'm gonna make it extra good. In fact, I'm not gonna take him one service. I'm gonna take him two. That's being thoughtful. God's way. God's way. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. He said. He said it's uh, thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. That's in the Amplified Classic, in the way it reads in, in uh, um, the King yeah. James. King James, it says, Charity envieth not, charity vanteth not itself, is not puffed up. 
Uh, here's another characteristic of, of love is love's not jealous. Love doesn't go. This is a problem amongst Christians. I'm going to just I'm gonna throw this out here. See, when you start to actually walk with God and you want God friends, people that will build you up, not tear you down, people that will lead you to God, not take you out of God, those are hard people to find. I'm just going to be real honest. Those are hard people to find. So when you find one of those people, be, be very careful. When you find one of those people, you want to keep them all to yourself. They're my friend. We hang out together. We do everything together. They're my 24-7 buddy. But then somebody else figures out, man, they're a good Christian. I like them. They build me up. They encourage me. And now your 24-7 buddy is spending time with somebody else. Uh, Jealousy can kick in. Envy can kick in. Or you see uh, Sam over there. Sam's got one of those buddies. Sam's got one of those friends, but you don't. And you're like, Lord, I'm over here all by myself. So you try to take Sam away. Uh, that's envy. That's jealousy. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. No, be, be glad. Be glad that they've found that Christian friend that builds them up, that encourages them, that strengthens them. Susie got a new car. You're still, buying the, you're still driving the faith mobile. You've been driving the faith mobile for five years. You know what a faith mobile is? You pray that it starts, you pray that it'll get you where you're going, and you pray that it'll get you home. You get into intercession about coming home. That's what a faith mobile is. You've been, you've been driving that faith mobile for five years, and here Sally is. Sally just went out and just bought, she's a brand new baby Christian, she just went out and bought her a brand new car. Don't get envious. You don't know if Sally went into debt for that car. You don't know what Sally did to obtain that car. For all you know, even though she's a brand-new born-again Christian, she may have been serving in the church for 20 years, being a tither and a sower, but was just mentally assenting to Christ. She may have seed in the ground. Maybe she wasn't even good in the church, but maybe she was so. Maybe she was just giving. See, seed time and harvest works no matter if you're a Christian or not. Seed time and harvest works no matter what. No, you better watch that. Notice he says it is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. And it's not proud or arrogant. <clears throat> Boastful, proud, arrogant. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you all about my day. Let me tell you what I did. Woo, let me tell you. No, there's a difference between bragging on God. And some people, be very careful about this. Some people will say, oh, let me brag on God. But then really what they're doing is they're bragging about self. They'll say, let me tell you what God did. Well, first you need to know and understand that I've been getting on my face before the Lord five hours, you know, two, two hours before bedtime. I've been getting up an hour early seeking and praising God. I've been getting in my, I've been spending my lunchtime in the Word. What are they doing? Bragging on self. Building themselves up proud, building themselves up. And they go, and because of all of that, God blessed me with this great financial increase. No, honey. We didn't need to know about your prayer time. We didn't need to know about your study time. You're building yourself up. No, no. God blessed you because he loves you. Don't build yourself up. Don't brag. Don't, brag. Don't be arrogant. Don't be puffed up. No, love doesn't do that. Love doesn't put self first. We'll get into this more next week. Because we're out of time.
But glory to God, we're going to dig into what this love is. I did want to share one thing with you that, you know, the Spirit kind of moved a little differently. I want to say this correctly. I don't want to mess it up. Brother Randy was at a Triumphant Faith Center with Pastors Jerry and Darlene Burley this week. They're out there in uh, Wichita, Kansas. And in the sermons, he said this. He said, you read your Bible for information. Check this out. You read your Bible for information. Have you ever read people, have you ever met people that read their Bible through cover to cover every year and they know a lot of, they know a lot of scripture but they don't really understand who God is? See, what are they doing? They're reading their Bible and getting information. He said, you read your Bible for information but you meditate on it for revelation. The reason, the, the way revelation, the way that understanding of what you read comes is through meditation. And now, now am I talking about sitting Indian style? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about thinking on, talking on, walking, walking the word through it, over in your mind and your mind and your mind. And that's what brings revelation. And when you give revelation, that's when growth comes. So out here on our table, there's these two things. There's biblical meditation explains what it is. And then it explains why you meditate. If you have not already picked these up and taken them and read them, you need to. Because you need to understand how to not be the person that reads the word and has just a ton of information. But you need to know how to meditate so that you can get revelation. Because it's revelation that changes your life. It's revelation that changes your life. They're perfectly free. Take them, read them, think on them, meditate on them. Glory to God. Well, our tithes and our offerings. Glory to God if our ushers will come. Derek, you come in by faith, sir. Come on, come on by faith. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. By faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Why do we sow tithes and offerings? Because we don't want to be cursed with the curse. Malachi 3, 10, and 11 says that if you rob God of your tithes and your offerings, that you are cursed with a curse. And, well, we don't want Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26 to be an operation in our life, so we don't rob God. And uh, we don't do it grudgingly, but we do it happily and rejoicefully and happy uh, because God loves a cheerful giver. Glory to God. you want to bless? Amen. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received today. We thank you that it draws, close, draws us closer to you, Lord, and helps us to learn to be like you and to be, that, to be like the love that you are. You are, you are the God of love. You are love, Lord, and we, we want to draw closer to you, so we must learn to be love ourselves. Lord, we thank you for helping us to do that. We thank you that as we meditate on this through the week, you will give us revelation and that it will become a part of us and it will get deep down on the inside of us and become spirit word to us, spirit spoken word, and that it will grow fruit in our lives and in the lives of those we come in contact with, Lord, because you are a good God, and you are true to your word, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your son who gave his all for us, that we might not be separated from you. And Lord, we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give unto your kingdom. We give with a grateful heart, and we give with a generous heart, Lord. We give because we know that you will, that you will bless it, and that you will bless us so that we can be an even bigger blessing. Lord, we thank you for blessing this offering, that it go further than we can ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your many blessings in Jesus' mighty name.
Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to take this word. It is ours. We hold on to it. We meditate on it. And we will stand against you. You must flee in the name of Jesus because he lives in us. And you must flee from the name that is above all names, including your own. Glory to God. Father, we thank you that the angels, Father, we command the angels to go, cause prosperity to come in every area of life. And Father, we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, before we take up the tithe, I want to do this. If rather you're online or in the house, if you've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life, let's as a body pray this together. Pray this prayer with us and, and confess it from your heart. Father. Father. We see in your word. We see in your word. That Jesus is that, your son. That Jesus is your son. And that you raised him from the dead. And that you raised him from the dead. That if we believe that. That if we believe that. And confess it with our mouth. And confess it with our mouth. That we shall be saved. That we shall be saved. Now, Father. Now, Father. I understand. I understand. That the thief. That the thief. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Father. And Father. The curse has been active in my life. The curse has been active in my life. But Father. But Father. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Therefore. Therefore. I declare. I declare. The curse is broken. The curse is broken. And your goodness. And your goodness. Your love. Your love. And your blessings. And your blessings. Are now open to me. Are now open to me. Father. Father, I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. See, we've got to know and understand that the curse has been closed. When you receive, when you receive Jesus, the curse is closed. But now you got to keep the curse closed. Glory 